0: hey guys welcome back to another episode of the podcast today is day 205 of our bible in your challenge and you are welcome back once again on this amazing podcast and also on this amazing journey so today we are going to be going on our readings from the books of isaiah Zephaniah, and also proverbs so early this morning i just thought about how long it has been that I actually spent some time to just reverence God for who he is and what he's done in my life so I spent this morning praising God and then I went straight to social media because that is probably one of the greatest addictions that we have to battle in 2023 anyways I was on TikTok and this message popped up On my screen which is different from what I like watching on TikTok usually when I go on TikTok I want to watch something funny I want to watch maybe some dance moves or I'm trying to look at some fashion trends literally anything but what I saw popped up on my screen and then it was a message from a very popular pastor Nigerian pastor and it was just a clip like four minute clip from a longer message but In that clip, I was so intrigued that I didn't scroll past. I know it's one of, you probably might not admit it, but for those of you who use social media, if you're scrolling, especially in TikTok, you want to see dance, you want to see comedy, you want to see some food recipes, and you'll come across a video that it suggests for you, and it's not what you want. Usually in like two seconds, you're scrolling past it to move on. But there was just something about this video that caught my attention. And then I ended up watching it once. And then I replayed it twice. And then I replayed it a third time. And then by the time I replayed it about the ninth, tenth time, I was so inspired by the message that I started jotting some things down in my journal. And the message was about learning from scars as well as crowns. And after I reflected on that message this morning, I was wondering what that had to do with anything <laughs> because you know there are some times that you you read the Bible I don't know if that's happened to you uh, since we started this journey, but that happened to me a lot when you read a certain verse or chapter that it, it seems inspiring right you understand what is going on you understand the message you understand okay this is what it's telling me and then the The question comes when you're trying to apply it to your life. And so then you ask, okay, what do I do with this? Like, okay, this is what it is. This is what the message is. This is what I read. Now, what do I make of it? How do I use this information? That was exactly how I felt after I reflected on the message for about 30 minutes. And now I read today's readings and it's like everything just clicks and falls into place. So... Um, I'm going to start with Zephaniah. Today, we are in Zephaniah, which is just three chapters long, and we're looking at chapter three today, and it calls out five different kinds of people. So I'm going to read from verses one. It says, Jerusalem is doomed, that corrupt, rebellious city that oppresses its own people. The Jerusalem is filled with people that are rebellious. Rebellious means they are not willing to obey. They're not willing to submit. They want to do things the way they want to do them. They want to do things for their own comfort, for their own happiness. They want to make themselves happy by all means, even though it might cost them oppressing their own brothers and sisters. And I don't know if that sounds anything similar, but it sure sounds like who we have become today. The very popular phrase everyone uses now is, do what makes you happy. You know, do you. It's your choice. Um, you got to put yourself first. The problem with that message is not that it's promoting self-love. Self-love is good. You know, you, you have to love yourself. You have to love who you are because you were created in God's image and likeness. The problem is not that it's promoting self-love. The problem is that it is prioritizing self-love above everything else. Even though, at some point, even though sometimes it might mean hurting other people, that you prioritize... Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> that you prioritize your happiness and your satisfaction at the expense of others is where the problem comes in. Verse 2 says, It has not listened to the Lord or accepted His discipline. It has not put his trust in the Lord or asked for his help. These people um, refuse to accept the discipline from God. And what does that mean? When we say the discipline from God, the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear the word discipline is me kneeling down at the corner of a room because I did something bad. Or I upset my mom. And in a Nigerian household, discipline is a number one unbroken rule. We rate discipline so high. And I remember this one time that I think I was supposed to be doing the dishes or cleaning the room. I can't remember what it was, but I know it was a chore that I was supposed to be doing. And then I ended up being distracted by the TV. I, yeah I think it had something to do with the living room because I remember that I was stuck with watching the tv I forgot what I was supposed to do and then my mom comes in and bro if you know anything about Nigerian moms you know they they are not afraid to use their hands and she gives me the biggest beating of my life <laughs> that Saturday morning and I remember holding this grudge against that I was so angry and moody all day but then I was a child so literally by nightfall I was back to my happy mood again but After that encounter, I remember that every single time I was going to do a chore that had to do with the living room, I made proper. I was very careful not to be caught off guard watching the TV. Because I was always reminded about the time that my mom bit the daylight out of me. And that is exactly what it means when God disciplines us. It's to teach us. The whole point of discipline is not the pain, it's not the punishment, it's not the tears. It's the lesson. The pain and the emotions we feel at the time of discipline is to remind us and point towards the lesson that the discipline is trying to teach. And this is going to be very important, especially for the Israelites, because when we follow this trend, we see so many so many so many times over and over again that god is it's like he's teaching them while he's examining them usually in a school setting you have the teaching period you have the classes the assignments and the homeworks and the little quizzes and tests here and there to teach the students right and then you have the exam period where they are not supposed to have any external material to their textbooks they're only going to be using the knowledge you've learned during the teaching periods to write the exams, and that would determine if they pass or fail. But what we see in this case is that while God is teaching these people who He is, how they should worship, how they should live, how they are to carry on living as the people they were called to be, they're also being examined. And at every time that they fill their exams, they're being retaught. It's like The teaching and examining is going on at the same time. I'm just going to put a pin on that because I'm coming right back to that. Verses 3 says, Its officials are like roaring lions. Its judges are like hungry wolves too greedy to leave a home until a bone until morning. So we know that one thing is that these people are rebellious. They want to prioritize themselves above everything else. Number two, they are not ready to accept God's discipline. And even when he does discipline them, they end up not learning from it and repeating the same mistakes over and over again. Number three, they are greedy. Number four, in verses four, it says, the prophets are irresponsible and treacherous. The priests defile what is sacred and twist the law of God to their own advantage. People who say that God said this even when he did not say it and people who rephrase or try to Turn Bible verses to suit your lifestyle, even when they know that what they're doing is wrong. Verses seven is where it gets a little bit interesting. God says, "I thought that then my people would have reverence for me and accept my discipline, that they would never forget the lesson I taught them, but soon they were behaving as badly as ever," and we've 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 seen the discipline right we've read about the disciplines that god gives the people of israel into the hands of their enemies it has happened previously before all of the prophecies we're reading right now is a warning to the people of jerusalem that is it is going to happen again that god is going to discipline them this time in a very huge way if they fail to learn the lesson so what is this lesson they're supposed to learn why what exactly is god trying to teach them over and over again that they have failed to learn from what i've read so far the lesson is this that he is their god and that they can come to him for help that he's their god and they can come to him for help and sometimes when when i when i think about this like Why would that be such a lesson that would be so hard to learn? Because that is an advantage. I mean, who wouldn't want a supernatural being guarding and protecting them even when they sleep? Who wouldn't want the most powerful being to be on their side? Who wouldn't want protection? Who wouldn't want mercy? Who wouldn't want somebody to provide for them? You know, who wouldn't want a helper in this hard world that we live in? Who wouldn't want that? So why was it so difficult? for the Israelites to accept God as their God and receive help from him. I would say that one of the reasons why that was really hard for the Israelites to learn is that they underestimated the importance of that lesson. They felt that by default, They would accept God as their God by default. They would go to him for help. They didn't understand how deep and how important that lesson was for them to learn. And dare I say that I might be making that same mistake as well. We might all be making that same mistake as well. That yes, God is my God, you know. I go to church every day, I'm a Christian, I identify as a Christian, you know. I have a Bible in my house, I have a rosary in my house, I, I say the novena every month, I I I have um prayers every single day. Um, I I'm on a Christian talk every single time I'm on social media. I mean, I to the best of my knowledge, I'm the perfect Christian. So I would say that God is my God. Right. But How many times is God your first resort when you approach a problem? How many times do you think about God when you're about to make a decision, when you're about to do something different or new in your life? How many times do you have God being the first person that comes to your mind when something amazing happens in your life? How many times do you have God be the first person that comes to mind when you fall and when you do something you're not proud of? How many times do you have God come to your mind when you're in need and when you're at the bottom? How many times do you have God come to your mind when you're at the top and everything is perfect? If we're being honest, the answer to that might be very... Disappoint him, and the answers to that might also give us a clear knowledge about how we view God you know this is a lesson that the Israelites were learning for decades and centuries and generations and probably this might be the biggest lesson that we would have to learn throughout our entire lives our eternity might depend on how well we we'll learn this lesson that God is our God and that God is our help. In Isaiah chapter 30 and 31 that we read today, one of the biggest themes of the two chapters was about how the Israelites were running to um, the Egyptians for help. Um, I don't know if you guys can remember this, but we definitely passed through this scenario while we were reading the previous books. I think it was in 2 Kings. I'm not quite sure, to be honest. (laughs) I don't want to mislead anyone, but we've read this before. And I'm just going to give you a background and maybe it would come to your mind. So this was when the Assyrians were about to attack the people of Jerusalem. And the king went to the people of Egypt to form an alliance, to have this political treaty, so that they can get, get more soldier power to overcome the Assyrians. And then in these two chapters of Isaiah, Isaiah is prophesying, and God is saying that that treaty is going to be the end of you because your help cannot come from the Egyptians. Your help comes from me. In chapter 31, verses 1, it says, Those who go to Egypt for help are doomed. They are relying on Egypt's vast military strength, horses, chariots, and soldiers. But they do not rely on the Lord, the holy God of Israel, or ask him for help. And if there is one of the biggest enemies that prevents us from learning this lesson, that God is our God and God is our help, is that sometimes we feel like hmm, we're not worthy enough to have God as our God and have God as our help. You know? (laughs) I think it can go both ways. You know, sometimes we feel like we're not worthy enough. Sometimes we feel like we are too worthy. So the first way you could go is when we... When we focus a lot on our weaknesses. And don't get me wrong. Everyone has a weakness. And we have a duty to build up ourselves in whatever part of our lives is a weakness. But... It is in our interest to realize that where our weakness starts is where God's strength starts. Oh, I'm sorry. I did not say that right. It is in our interest to know that where our weakness ends is where God's strength begins. In Isaiah chapter 30 verses 19, it says, You people who live in Jerusalem will not weep anymore. The Lord is compassionate and when you cry to him for help, he will answer you verses 20 the lord will make you go through hard times but he himself will be there to teach you and you will not have to search for him anymore there is a kind of wisdom that only pain and failure can bring there is something that only pain can teach if i look back on my life like i did this morning to list out the Moments of crowns, the moments that I felt the proudest, the moment I felt on top of the world. And then I list the moments of scars, the moments I felt like I was, I was crap. I can list out a lot of life lessons that I have learned from my scars more than from my crowns. I just think that there is a different perspective that failing at something gives you. It helps you look at things from a different angle. It helps you learn a lot about yourself and about others and about the world. And that is one thing that God is trying to use discipline to do in our lives. There is a kind of pain, there is a kind of punishment that makes you realize that only God can save you. Only God has the strength and the power to help you. And that is where God's discipline lies. That, that, that is the whole point. To teach us to learn that He is our God and that He is our help. And the Israelites in this regions that we've been going through have refused to learn that lesson. And... I just hope that I am not making the same mistake. I hope that you are not making the same mistake. That whatever pain that we're passing through right now to teach us a lesson from God is not in vain. So I'm just going to end with this verse. And I feel like this verse stuck out to me out of all the verses that I read today. It is from Isaiah chapter 30 verses 18. It says, And yet... The Lord is waiting to be merciful to you. If you feel like you're not worthy enough for God to be your God or for God to be your help, and yet the Lord is waiting to be merciful for you. And if you have no idea how you're going to learn this biggest lesson we're supposed to learn, that God is our God and that God is our help, and yet the Lord is waiting to be merciful to you, If you're like me, that has all of this information, have all of this insights from God, and you're still asking, what am I supposed to do with this? How can I apply this to my life? And yet, the Lord is waiting to be merciful to you. His mercy makes everything better. His mercy makes us worthy. His mercy gives us guidance. His mercy gives us strength. His mercy makes it that we can learn that biggest lesson, that we can accept Him as our God, and that we can go to Him for help. And so I hope that His mercy carries us through whatever pain, whatever time of discipline that we're passing through right now, that we realize that our help alone can come from God Who makes heaven? I'm sorry, I think I got that wrong. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, I was supposed to end this episode on such a dramatic note and I messed it up. (sighs) Okay. I hope that we learn today that God's mercy is sufficient for us and that our help can come alone from God who makes heaven and earth. I'm sorry, that it's not as dramatic as I wanted it to be. But anyways, thank you so much for listening this far. I will end this episode on this note. And I will see you guys tomorrow as we continue. We are starting a new book, Baruch. And I cannot wait to unveil all of that book has to offer. So I hope to see you guys tomorrow, same place. I'm not sure about the time, but please have an amazing day.